Hi there, Coach Paula here. I know you're getting a lot from season one of Make Him Wonder, and I want you to get even more in season two. Go now to the 8020 Wonder Club and become a member. The 8020 Wonder Club is a membership club where you'll get all the new episodes of season two the moment they come out. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. That's the 8020wonder.club. Make this your year to be consistently mindful of what it takes for a relationship to go the distance. Go to the 8020wonder.club and I'll see you in the clubhouse. Every woman is lovable and wonderful to someone out there just intrinsically, but it's what she does. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is 34-year-old Sarah, who isn't currently dating, but she wants to be. Sarah feels she's been doing things wrong, quote-unquote, in dating, and wants to know how to position herself best for online and in-person dating success, leading to engagement and marriage. Well, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Paula. Absolutely. Well, this is fun to talk about. Like you probably have heard on other podcasts, many times women come to me when they're in a problem related to dating or are stuck or have an issue. So you feel that you're doing things wrong in dating, and but yet you're not dating? Explain to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel that, I am not getting um, enough results, hence why I said wrong. Um, I also feel that I don't get enough um, tangible guys. Of course, given the pandemic, I think people are a bit um, reserved these days. So I just want to be able to position myself um, into a place where I am attracting enough men enough of the right men in order for me to sort of be able to achieve with my greater goals of getting engaged and getting married. Fantastic. So talk to me a little bit about your greater goals and at what time frame you'd like to achieve them. I certainly want to meet someone who I'm compatible with, um, get engaged, um, perhaps I think Two years is fair. I mean, I am. I was in a rush, but now I feel that I want to make the right decision, so I'm not in an extreme rush. I think I certainly want to, like, be able to enjoy the person that I meet, for them to make a commitment to me, um, and I make a commitment to them, and then we get married, um, obviously, with an engagement between six and um, 
a year to get married between the time of engagement and and marriage. But not I'm not you know I don't want something yesterday. You know I'd like to sort of take my time and um, you know meet the right person. I want to do it once. And what about children? Yeah, so I would certainly love to have children um, as a part of getting married as well. Hence that time frame, I would assume that you'd like to start having a family by age 36, 37, somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah. So with that, tell me a little bit about your history and where you feel things have gone wrong according to this goal? So I feel that based upon my dating history, um, the men that I've dated, which have been between like a year and two years, um, in the times in which we've dated, the man has not been ready to make that commitment. Um, so I think that's where it's Stopped. And if you could flesh that out a little bit for me, tell me about those relationships. So by 34, we usually have had, you know, quite a few relationships or dependent upon what we do, you know, that can lead us to, you know, getting to the place of commitment. Where do you think things went wrong in those relationships? Uh, the relationship that I was in about a year and a half ago, I think what went wrong or what I realized was that, um, you know, I did ask him if he had plans on uh, making a commitment, and he said that he was not sure. Um, so, you know, I, I gave him space, and after, we, we, well, I gave him space, to think about it, um, we eventually sort of, well, we eventually broke, I broke it off because um, I realized that I certainly want someone who wants to be sure about me. Um, and um, we spoke a year later and he still was not sure. So that certainly confirmed um, my thoughts of, you know, wanting to be with someone who is actually sure of, um, you know, wanting to get married. Because I, I thought we were a good match, um, but, you know, you never know what's going on in a guy's brain. And when you say they haven't been sure, what have you done to ensure that they become sure? What kind of strategies approach or have you not utilized any particular way of being? Tell us about that. Just kind of going back to my last relationship, I, I don't think I followed a strategy. I think I was, you know, we, we mutually liked each other. And, you know, he lived about an hour away from me. So he always, like, um, came, came to my area um, but I don't think I necessarily applied a strategy or technique to ensure that he was, you know, sure that he wanted to be uh, committed. And 
that is where most all of us go wrong. And you said you have been doing things, quote unquote, wrong in dating. You understand that there's nothing about you that is wrong, but that everything is in whatever you want to call it, the approach, the strategy, if you want to use a stronger word, but in the way of being with the man that leads him down the path to commitment. Yeah, so I I mean, I think sometimes, um, I think especially in the pandemic, you wonder, like, what did I do wrong, you know? But, and I've also spoken to other people, and they say, you know, I've, you know, Sarah, this really isn't, uh, it's not you. Do you believe that? Obviously, I, I didn't know a lot about dating. So I would say that, you know, in some situations, I was certainly very immature, um, when it came, comes to dating, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not perfect, so I wouldn't say it's like it's all on the person, you know. So I'm hearing a little bit of um, doubt in terms of, you know, when you say, I wouldn't say that it's me, but I was immature in dating or what have you. So you're understanding the difference between who you are and what you've been doing. Is that a fair statement? Correct. Great. Because that's really important. It's almost never, I can honestly say that, with every woman I work with and I believe in my heart, due to the puppy principle, that you can be loved and that every woman is lovable and wonderful to someone out there just intrinsically, but it's what she does. So that's what I'd like to hear from you when you say, you know, because here, here's the what I'm hearing. I asked you about the relationship and you went, from A all the way to Z, and the Z was, he wasn't ready. So I need between A and Y of what happened. I will say that when I met my ex-boyfriend, I was, you know, I I, I had moved to another um, city, and I, you know, sort of, finding my bearings, didn't have a lot of friends around. And when we met, he was also fairly new. So we really attached to each other fairly quickly. Um, Give us specifics. So from the, I mean, when we, when we met, I think we just started dating immediately. Like it, it wasn't even, there wasn't like, you know, well, I'll figure, like I'm not sure if I actually want to, date you he's just like I'm interested in you you know and and I, I was very interested in him as well I don't know whether it was because I was lonely and I wanted that uh, someone around me but it was sort of like perfect perfect person to be around how did you meet so we met it was like we I was I went to the DMV and um I was leaving 
and he was walking in front of me and he looked back and he said, you know, you're very beautiful. And I said, thank you. And then when we got um, in front of the street um, until we parted ways, I just, I like, we were actually going down an ex escalator. So once we got at the, you know, at the end of the street, he said, you know, I'd really like your number. And I said, sure, you know, and I gave him my number and, um, you know, that was it. We went on a date. We went on a couple of dates. And um, he told me he loved me pretty quickly. And I said, you know, I, I don't feel it. <laughs> um, but we kept on dating. And then, um, yeah, it just, it's like, it wasn't, there was really no backtracking. And what time frame were we talking about? So from when we met until when it ended, it was about a year and a half. You said something interesting that pretty quickly he said he loved you. What time frame was that? So from my memory, I feel that that must have been maybe like a month into dating. Okay. And that's when you said to him, I just want to clarify, you said to him, I don't feel it. Yeah. I mean, I, I must have said, I don't feel it, or I'm not sure, or I just said thank you. Like, I know that I, I didn't feel the same way a month in. Okay. And then what happened? Um, after that, we continued dating. And clarify dating. Had you slept together a month in? What really the, the particulars of the relationship? At what date did you have sex? And then how did it progress from there? So um, I feel that we had sex like two months in into dating. And then after that, um, he told me, you know, I want you to be my girlfriend. And um, I said, yeah. Did you have sex before or after he asked that? It was before. And then what happened? So we said yes. I mean, I said yes, excuse me. Um, and things didn't change. Um, so obviously I was working. He was working. He would um, come and visit me um, sometimes either in the middle of the week or on the weekends. Um, he would come and see me. And then um, and sometimes like we would, would go out um, and, like, you know, explore. Um, go go to like museums or do something like that. And did you feel that it was progressing around month, you know, three, four after you agreed to be girlfriend, boyfriend? Yeah. Um. So my the the way in which I felt that it was progressing is that he kept on saying, like, I want to come and see your, like, I want to go and visit your sister. You know, let's go and visit your sister. And I said, okay, yeah, um, you know, that, that's, that's fine. Um, we can do that. So he wanted to meet your family. Was your sister at mm -hmm. a distance? Um, she left like maybe 30 minutes away from me, so not too far. And did you do that? So we, we did not. Um, I think... There was also another element. So he was also of a different religion from me. 
I so I'm Christian and he he's Muslim, right? Um and I think I felt that that was like a huge difference between him and I, but I was it's like I'm I'm pretty open-minded. I said, you know, perhaps like I could focus on his character and personality. Um, but we had a conversation and I remember saying, you know, like we're very different, you know. I think after we had the conversation, it was more of like an argument um, about like us being different. I think I I remember this now. I brought it up. I said that, you know, would, would your sister, like how would you feel if your sister married a Christian and he said, I would not be okay with it. And then I said, you know, well, you know, like, what are we doing, you know, um, like you're doing that. Um, and I said, you know, like, we're very different. Happened next. So from that, um, I think we were good at sort of like getting over stuff. You know, we had the conversation, you know, it was like, it was just one of those things, like we talked about it. There wasn't necessarily a resolution. Obviously, you can't resolve, like, different religions, you know. So there wasn't necessarily a resolution. We just kind of moved on from, from that. How did it peter out or come to the final place that it did and the ending? Okay. So in the middle of that, I found out that I was pregnant. And I think that was, um, I think that was, a huge defining moment because um, I believe I was 30, was I 31 or so? Must have been, yeah, around there. I just finished grad school. Um, you know, like, things are good. I actually was, like, I was hoping to get pregnant. And, like, obviously that was, like, something that was, like, very much on my mind. Then, like, everything I thought about, it was, like, every other thing, right? Um, and so I found out I was pregnant. Unfortunately, um, I miscarried, but very, very early. Um, his reaction to it was, um, I don't want a baby, you know? Um, so that, that was that reaction. So he was completely opposed to it, which, which I was like, okay. Um, but obviously things didn't pan out. So, um, but that happened. Um, so after that, we continued. We, so we we continued to date um, through that process. Mhm. Mm and how did it finally come to an end? In what month? It came to an end July of 2019. And how? What did you say? What did you do? Things are happening for me, and I could sort of sense that he was scared um, because we went to see a couple of apartments together for me, not for us. Um, and, you know, I was, like, just going on doing what I needed to do to move my, my lease had ended and everything. So, um, you know, I moved. Um, it was right before my birthday. And I realized that, you know, like, I'm having all these changes going on in my life. And... I actually want, and and that that piece of me moving was like finally like finding a permanent place for myself and just sort of settling down, right? That was sort of like the thing. And he 
didn't want, like, he, he didn't want, I guess he didn't want those things. So I asked him, um, you know, I, um, there are a lot of things happening in my life. I'm moving. Um, I was considering changing, um, changing careers. Um, and it was definitely a defining point in my life. And I asked him, you know, you actually, like, as far as we go, um, you actually want to be in a committed relationship. You know, where do you see this? And he says that, you know, he doesn't know. And I said, well, you know, well, if you're not sure, but I'm sure of myself, you know. I didn't push him. I didn't, like, you know, give him, like, I didn't say, like, you know, if you don't marry me, blah, 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 blah. I didn't say anything like that. But I just said, you know, okay, well, I'll give you time, but, you know, I I have to live for myself, so, you know, he, you know, I think after we had that conversation, I, you know, I'm, I, I just kind of started living my own life and, you know, think eventually we had a conversation where I was like, well, you know, have you, have you decided what you want in your life? And he was like, no, and I said, okay, well, um, you know, I think this relationship should end because we're going into different directions yet. And that was that. And that was about a year after the pregnancy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for that and sharing that. It is a really good example for you and for our listeners to find out along the way where things went awry and how they could have been tweaked with a different approach, behaviorally approached for what the man sees and needs and experiences. And that's why it's going to be helpful to you for me to go through kind of step-by-step here whereby things could have been tweaked and perhaps been very different and if not very different for you not to have wasted the time in the relationship even if you don't feel necessarily what I say wasted meaning your heart sometimes it's not even about the time but it's certainly about the time we spend with men who ultimately walk away, and how that puts a mark on our hearts. And sometimes for a a long time, it can be for the time that we had the relationship or even last years beyond that. And that's what I am all about, thwarting that response in us. And I know that you have a bit of that response because of the feeling uh, like you had said uh, to come on the podcast, doing things wrong in dating. So we're going to talk about your experience, Sarah, in a moment when we come back. If you've been listening to Make Him Wonder, I know you're ready for an amazing opportunity to make the rest of this year your best ever. 
It's why I'm so excited to announce my 8020 Wonder Club. That's right, set to launch later this summer. The 8020 Wonder Club is an exclusive club for Make and Wonder Women to get all new episodes and members only content. Yes, for less than a latte a month, as part of your membership, you'll get a labeled series for specific dating and relationship content by age and relationship status. And no more waiting. As soon as the podcast drops, it's yours. You get never before access to me to ask questions and have a multimedia library of material at your fingertips. There's so much more to come. While it's always important to make any man wonder, you won't want to miss this amazing opportunity so you know just what to do in any dating and romantic situation. As my 80th episode nears, be sure to listen for more so you don't miss out on being part of the 8020 Wonder Club. So we're back with 34-year-old Sarah. That was a bit indicative of what she feels perhaps maybe a bit of what is going wrong, quote-unquote, for her in dating. And it's a great example, actually, Sarah. And so that's why I want to go through it with you a little bit step by step because I think if you get these principles along the, in hindsight, the journey of you and your former guy, uh, an ex, why don't we give him a name because that will be easier for us to do. What, what's a name we can use for him? Adam. Adam, this will kind of show you, like I said, looking back, what you can do going forward in terms of starting anything from the very get-go and certainly thwarting spending time that will not get you the results you're looking for and suffering longer in a relationship that will not go the distance, longer in a relationship with a consumer, and of course the heartbreak that comes along with it. So I love that you met in person. That's that's great. Always nice to hear uh, but of course, online is where most folks are meeting these days, certainly during the pandemic. In 2020, people were meeting more online and it is going more and more and more that way for men. And I'm not going to spend too much time on that particular topic right now, but if you're not online, you need to be doing it in a way that produces the results, but men are going there more than ever before, and there's a reason that men do. There's actually a number of reasons that men do, and you may want to look at, if you want to know those particular reasons, 
a YouTube video of mine regarding um, why men are online. So you meet and you're going down the escalator and he stops you, which I, I, I love, and he tells you you're beautiful and you say thank you. That's, I love the way you said it. Did he immediately say, Sarah, can I have your number? He did not. He was walking in front of me after he complimented me. And then after, um, like, we got to a, a certain place, and then he, like, when we naturally stopped at the end of the street, that's when he he said something. He asked for my number. Uh-huh. And right then and there, believe it or not, this is where we can use approach and strategy to help us inspire a man's deeper desire. And that is because of my three C's of men, that men are all about challenge, competition, and conquering. And when we make it more of a challenge for the man, we not only show ourselves to be of value, which is very important to put ourselves in the Madonna category of Freud's Madonna whore dichotomy. If you need to know more on that, uh, all of my podcasts almost have uh, Freud's very foundational male-brained um, uh, schema in them so you can listen more about that. But to be of very high value, we need to show a man that we are a bit of a challenge. And the rising to the challenge and having that bit of competition, so to speak, is what makes it interesting, compelling, and heightens a man's desire. So right then and there, and we need to be ready for this in our daily life because here you were at the DMV. Who would have thought that you would meet someone there? But you did. So it's, oh, my goodness, um, I, I really don't know what to say. It's flattering but I, I don't just give my numbers so easily and quickly. What do you think he would say or would have said? He would have been shocked, perhaps. Mm, exactly. And what does that show the man? Um, that I'm unique. Not easily. I don't easily give in. Exactly. Yep. Very, very important. This not only shows him that, it shows him so much more about you. And that is, according to my saying, what you do with him, he thinks you do with all men. So when you don't give your number easily and you say, 
I'm not really comfortable necessarily doing that, it not only presents a huge challenge for him, but it shows that you are of very high value and, yes, like you said, unique. So right then and there, you can set yourself up for possible more success. And I know this sounds very elementary, and it certainly is, because this is at the very forefront. And you think, well, down the road, that's not going to mean anything. Because to you, it doesn't. But foundationally, to the man, it is so much bigger than I can even tell you. So, ladies, have that in your little bag of tweaks and tricks, so to speak, because it is invaluable. Because here's what I know. If it is compelling enough for him, and he is a man that is truly interested and not just giving you a compliment, and also just seeing if he can get the number, he will continue to talk, try to talk, and make more of an effort. What do I mean by that? Many times, you likely have given your number to someone and never heard from them. Almost every woman has had this experience. And you think, well, why did he take it if he wasn't going to follow up? Especially now. Because now, the man takes it over his phone. So he has it there. Meaning, you know, years ago, before texting, before cell phones, the man had to actually write it down. Maybe there was even a delay while someone pulled out a pad or pencil or whatever. Now, there really isn't any excuse, but you still many times have that. And we want to thwart the no follow-up. But most significantly, we want to ensure right then and there that there's more than just a passing interest. And this does it because if he's not and it's just a compliment, he will say, I understand. Or many times you'll get, good for you, because they get it. So then we go on, and you've now been dating, you said, for like a month. And how often were you seeing each other, going on dinners, whatever it was that you did, for that month? How often? Once a week, twice a week, how often was it? I would say in the beginning, it was um, most likely in the beginning, it was like four times a month on the weekends. And then um, as we progressed, like he would at least pick one. If he couldn't make, if he was working on the weekend, um, he would um, come by like midweek or something like that. Okay. So... So a month into it, he says, he loves you. And 
you respond with, I don't feel that. That is actually, in other words, we can't change that feeling for you. It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in other words, if the reaction is, oh, Adam, that's, that's lovely to hear. I am so touched and so flattered. Would he have asked you, do you think, well, what do you feel? Or do you love me? Do you think he would do that? Um, no. I, he was very direct, but he kind of said what he was feeling. So when he told me, I, I, I thought it was just, I thought it was him being kidding, you know? Like, he was just kind of saying it in the moment. Uh, but he kept on saying it, you know, even though I said, like, multiple, multiple times I said thank you until I actually felt it as well. Uh-huh. So let me ask you a very important question. Why did you feel that it was fleeting? Because I've never met a guy who said I love you that quickly. Mm -hmm. And here's what I want for you to hear and for every woman to hear. If you've read my book, you know I have actually a few pages on this. Men fall very quickly if they're going to fall at all. It is their nature and it is not to be questioned because the feeling is normally right there from the beginning. It's reverse for women. While we might be infatuated, we don't feel that kind of in love for someone off the bat. Men do, and that is biological and anthropological. It's born in men, just like the opposite, in a way, is born in us. And, you know, for more on that, again, that's a much, we could do many podcasts just on that. But you can read about that, you can know why it is, certainly understand more why it is, but you must know that it is. And that is why we must, as women, kind of capitalize on that initial time quite readily. Because as men move through time, it doesn't get deeper for them. I use in my book that men's love is like a lake and women's love is like an ocean. We can usually see across a lake, if it's not like a great lake, we can see across a lake and it doesn't 
normally get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to fathoms unknown, like the ocean does. Also, that men, they cannonball into any body of water. They're going to go swimming. They run in the ocean. They absolutely, you can see it so many times at the beach. Just watch. The man doesn't typically walk up to the ocean edge and dip his toe in and see how it feels and saunter up. He throws off his shirt or whatever and runs from wherever he is and runs into the ocean. Or he cannonballs into the lake or cannonballs into the pool or dives into the pool. This is like a metaphor for how men fall. And it's very fast. And we can capitalize on that. So you don't belie your feeling, whether it's, yes, I feel the same, or no, you make him wonder. But the actual, I don't feel it, will cut the man off kind of at the pass. Now, he may continue uh, with the challenge that you are, but it doesn't really help you in the way that making him wonder will help in a sweet, soft way. It sounds like you did a lot of that and eventually just gave into your reality. But again, not what you say, but how you say it. I'm, instead of I don't feel it, it's I so appreciate who you are and how we've been dating like this and I'm really looking forward to knowing you more and seeing where things can go. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, like the way you explained that men dive in quickly and it sounds like he certainly did. So, you go along for about another month. What was that like? Do you remember? I think we were really happy. Um, I mean, we were fine. Um, I think the good thing about our relationship was that, you know, whenever we had like a a quick rough patch or or something, um, I think the one thing is that we were we really liked each other. And, um, yeah, but, like, once we saw each other, I think, like, we both just forgot about everything, you know? Like, the connection was that strong. Right. That's great. And so, after that first month, you, did you make a conscious decision to have sex or it just kind of happened? Um, so we made a conscious decision to do so. Um, but he, like, he, I was, like, I'm, I'm, like, kind of a health freak, so I was like, oh, you know, I want to make sure that, like, I'm fine health-wise, and so are you. Um, so, um, like, we both got tested and got checked out, and we were okay, and I think after that happened, it was, like, a free-for-all. <laughs> I think we felt confident in each other, essentially. Okay. 
So that's a that's a good thing in terms of putting yourself in the Madonna category. Do you know what I mean when I say Madonna category? And no. Okay. So just a quick primer on that for those that don't know. It is Sigmund Freud's Madonna Whore Dichotomy, now called Madonna Whore Dichotomy. Really, you need to understand this. It is foundationally in males. Uh, Sigmund Freud just qualified it for us with language. But it is the fact that men put women in one of two categories of either being wife and mother material or woman just to have fun with. And this is so foreign to us because it's not a real thing. There is no woman all chaste and on one end of the scale and woman all, quote unquote, I hate the word, but woman all, you know, a whoreish or in that awful connotation. It's just not true. But in males, again, it's biological and anthropological and it is in males to make an assessment and that assessment is in their deepest reptilian brain, our oldest brain that houses no language. So we have to be very cognizant of it in order to present ourselves in the possible wife and mother category that a man will need. And to one degree or another, again, people are on a scale, but it is foundationally in males just as the fact that we women commit and bond through time and sex. In other words, if we're with somebody that we like, we spend enough time and we have sex with them, we will be bonded. That is just in our reptilian brains and that cannot be taken out of us. So it's really something, if you don't know about it, you can hear more about it. I have uh, you know, my podcasts on it and I certainly talk about it a lot, my videos, but there's reams of material on this. Freud talks about it in terms of a, a complex, but now it's simply called the um, Madonna Horde dichotomy because it is known now that it is uh, in the reptilian brains of males that it is foundational and that it is not aberrant nor a complex it just is. So what happened for you, Sarah, is simply that it's great you showed Adam, I'm not going to just have sex with you without being safe. Okay, that's great. But I have a big question for you. When did the religion, when did you know about his religion and understand the differences about it? Um, I think I knew um, immediately. I, I don't remember, but I think I'm, I pretty much knew it very early on. Okay. So did you know it would hinder him in any way from moving forward with you due to the difference? 
I don't think I knew whether it would hinder him either way, but I think I think I, I, I guess from I can only speak from my perspective that I, I felt I guess I, I only know one religion, so I was like, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I wasn't sure, but, you know, I I, I didn't, like, I, we, we continued dating, you know? Okay. So right at early on, you want to ask those questions. And that puts you in the first category. What I mean by that? is that you've been dating now a month and he says he's falling in love. You are flattered by that. You, it's, it's great. You want to know more about that. But that is your shot at asking, wow, okay, I, I see then that this is, you know, feels quite, serious for you in a way. I wonder then about moving forward vis-a-vis our different religions. If you had done that then, what do you think you would have heard back from him? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, what I feel like I would have liked to hear is that it doesn't matter. But I don't know I don't think it would have because I don't think it would have mattered because he still calls me all the time, even till this day. I don't think it really mattered to him. Okay, but I'm confused because you found out soon after it seriously mattered to him, and you're using a this evidence that really isn't evidence of anything other than the fact that he likes you and would like to possibly still sleep with you because he's still in contact, that that means he would marry someone not Muslim. Yeah, you make a good point. Right, he told you early on, right away, you asked a very great question of him. You said, if your sister was going to marry a Christian, how would you feel about that? And he said... What exactly? He said no. So it brings me to my next point along the trajectory of your relationship. Immediately you say, then Adam, this is where we part ways. Because I will not be involved with anyone who cannot see me as possible wife or mother of his children. Right away, that puts you, again, Madonna category. Because if he's going to have any real, funny, I was going to say, any real come-to-Jesus moment (laughs) in his life, meaning change of heart, that's all come-to-Jesus moment means. Change of heart not that he gives up his religion or not that he changes uh, fundamentally, not that he um, converts to Christianity or to any of the sort, but that he has to 
through the feelings for you and the loss of you, he might have somehow figured out how he would make that work for himself. But he told you right then and there all you needed to know at that moment and actually all you need to still know. But what happened instead was you said that you got kind of past it and you guys went on and things were okay. Yeah. Then by May you were pregnant. Yeah. And here again, he solidified his position. How did he solidify that? You know what I mean? Yeah, he said he didn't want a baby. So there was your serious last nail in the coffin, so to speak. In other words, whenever that should happen in a relationship and the man tells you anything of the sort and is not completely supportive of it, that tells you all you need to know. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. But what happens, and it happened for you and I completely understand it, and probably you're seeing and hopefully you're feeling forgiving of yourself in terms of this because it's so foundationally in our culture that you classified him and used the words, at the time I think he was scared and that has become like a fallback for us, like I said, in our, it's just in our lexicon now. The man's scared of commitment. He's scared of, it typically, I have to say, he's not scared. If he's resistant and he doesn't want it, it's because of other things that are tangible and that he knows, and right away he knew, this is just for me to enjoy while I can. I'm a consumer. I'm never going to be a buyer for Sarah because of our different religions, or whatever the reason is for that particular man. Consumers come in all shapes, sizes, all everything, religions, colors, creeds, everything. It's different for each man. But he knows he's in the state of being a consumer, a la my puppy principle. You love all puppies, but you know for certain whether or not you are going to adopt a puppy. And no matter how cute and wonderful and loving and everything about a puppy that comes across your path. If you are not ready, you don't. And that's it. It's that black and white and simple for the man. So there was your next time of this is goodbye. Because what happens for us is that more time in only solidifies the man's idea of us, the category that we're in, and it lessens our value and their interest and their love. 
I call it my girlfriend law of diminishing returns. And if you haven't, go on YouTube and watch that one. Because it's seriously important for every woman to know so that she doesn't waste her valuable time and give her heart more and more to a man. And Sarah, I want you to know I'm not saying in any way that Adam is a bad man at all. Consumers are not bad men. They're just men in a state for whatever it is for them of not being ready, willing, or able to commit. And they will do whatever they can, what we allow because they love us as the pretty puppies we are. And he loved you as the pretty puppy you are. But over time, that will diminish because it, again, like I said from the beginning, it doesn't grow for the man. Love doesn't grow in the way it grows for us. It doesn't deepen. It has to be consistently, think of like the boat on top of the water. If it's not going to go astray, we have to keep rowing it in the right direction. And the rowing doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when we get married. It doesn't stop when we have children. It doesn't really ever stop. We must continue to do it. It's on the surface, and we have to keep it in order, and we have to continually row it or sail it or whatever metaphor you want to use. Ours, our love, just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and goes and sinks to the bottom of the ocean, the depths unknown. The man doesn't really have to do anything but continue to be and when I say not do anything, I mean that it takes significant amount of him going against the initial whatever it was that allowed us to fall in love and commit to him in order to change it. So I want to hear from you, Sarah, with all of that, your thoughts and feelings. Because I know it's a lot. Thank you for breaking that down, um... I never really thought of it in that way. I, I think from what you've said so far, he certainly did signal first time, second time, and then obviously I got the confirmation third time. Um, so it definitely quite clear that he was certainly there to be there, but not ready to commit. And so how does that influence where you go from here? So that's a really good question. Um, I think based upon that, I would need help weeding out um, the consumers from the buyers. Right. Because we are sold a bill of goods by our society, unfortunately. And it, it only services men. It's terrible. For women, while we have complete equality, it, it hurts us in a way because we connote the equality as being the same. And women relate from their experience and femininity, so to speak, or feminine brain. And we expect that the men will get the message. 
and we normally do it through verbalization and that doesn't work well with men we need to do it through action and we have to actually kind of tweak and kind of turn what would be our natural stance of just doing what we know and feel and we have to actually be very cognizant and mindful to do what is actually going to give the right message to the man. Because I bet if you look back, you were saying all the things you felt and maybe even expecting change to come from what you were saying to him. But that almost never works with men. And you can see how it's right from the start. It's so, so, so important to set things up on a trajectory that will lead you down the right road. So what questions do you have for me in terms of your dating, getting back into dating? Is there any question even about possibly getting back with Adam? Um, I think right now I am focused on um, meeting someone new. Um, as far as Adam goes, he does, I mean, I sort of did the whole non, no contact thing. And even though he calls me, I just don't answer. I just have a block. So, and, and I have no reason to um, speak to him because I know that, you know, we both obviously want different things. So um, it's, it's an unequal match there. Yay. That's fantastic because I don't think it would benefit you in any way because again changing his fundamental ideas about you and the category in which he placed you and again not because he didn't love you or want to be with you but would not lead you down the road towards your goal so I love that that's fantastic okay so what about questions related to meeting someone new? So um, so obviously in this online world, um, I've been on a couple of dates. Uh, I feel that number one, um, the text, like the interaction within the messaging app or the dating app tends to fizzle out. And then I'm also finding that men not, um, not confirming dates, and that fizzles out. And then when I've gone on dates, it's just been like one date, and then that fizzles out as well. Understandable. Um, it is the experience of so, so, so many women. And the reasons for that are multifactorial. I mean, they're just so many reasons for it from the man's perspective and we do know this about online and about human behavior one thing we know through myriad studies about human behavior 
is that the more choices you give a human, the less he or she will be able to make a choice. And unfortunately, that's what we are dealing with, especially for men in the online world. Because of the puppy principle, men are like a, a woman who loves cute puppy pictures and videos swiping right or left. It's self-soothing and amusing to us to go on social media and just scroll through cute puppy or kitten or little animal videos. It's fun, it's enjoyable, it's self-soothing, it's amusing. It makes us feel good. And men do that online with women. And we then have to know that you are going to get many, 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 many swipe rights but little follow-through. Now, there are absolute strategies and approaches that will help you with that. And to get in a high-value way, demand to, just like we talked about in your interaction with Adam on that escalator and off when he turned around, Get his interest peaked. And these are the things I outline in my One Love Online to Never Ending Love program and self-help course. This is just the type of thing that must be almost formulaic for us as the female so that we don't waste our valuable time and invest in things that are go-nowhere. And in the program, I have what to text, when to text, how to lead him in, again, a feminine energy value-based way to have him feeling like he's achieving something to get even more interested in a meeting. I call it a first meeting. Some rules groups call it date zero. Um, I don't really want for women to think of it as a quote-unquote date, although you want the man to be thinking of it as that. And you want to get his interest very high and yours just a we'll see kind of attitude. But that is done through the steps leading up to the meeting. And again, I have cut and paste templates of the text to use, and it works like a charm. The third step in the program of what he needs to do to make that meeting happen separates for the man, like you said, uh, Sarah, by saying to him, Adam, what you would have said when he said, can I have your number? If you had tweaked it, 
like we talked about, it would make him think you are unique and get him even more intrigued and wondering. And when a man is wondering, he is actively feeling something leading him towards more and possible love. And I highly recommend, Sarah, for you, being online, of course, because for anyone dating now, you know, over the age of, like, college, if you're not in college anymore, then you really need to be online because it can be utilized in a way that actually has has you meeting many men who could be appropriate. It's about really reining in the amount of time and energy so you don't feel zapped from it, so that you don't burn out on it. That's also a huge thing I don't want to happen for anybody, to get burnt out on it. And I have ways about doing that and utilizing the algorithms on the apps and sites to your advantage vis-a-vis going off and on and all manner of what you do and how you do it to make online work for you. And I also have in the program and the self-help course a bonus of how to meet men off of line and in the real world, so to speak, as well. And I would highly recommend that for you, Sarah. Because also the, um, this can have you doing it and working the approaches that work. And our game, it's really a game changer for so many women in the online space. When you do it in this way, it's going to feel a little foreign at first. But again, you get to a place of being uh, consciously confident about it. And then it becomes kind of second nature. And it presents you as super high value to a man. And presenting a super high value immediately weeds out consumers. And how does it do that? You see, a consumer only, um, let me say it this way, a consumer does not waste his time going after women who present themselves in the first category. No matter how much, and this is generally speaking, no matter how much he finds you attractive, interesting, wants you, all of it, desires you, good men are consumers. Just like good women are women who love puppies. They just can't, for whatever reason, adopt. Doesn't make the woman bad because she can't adopt puppies even though she loves them dearly and wants to be around them. There will be women who do adopt eventually in their lives and women who don't. And they're of equal value. But we have to know as the puppies in the equation who to give our time to with the possibility of being quote unquote adopted meaning get commitment. A buyer, on the other hand, and a man who 
rises to the challenge and also something within him says I'm going to do this even if I'm not quite sure I'm really ready that's the man that's a prospective buyer That's the man you want to be meeting and it can only go up from there because you've set yourself up as that little bit of challenge like we used in hindsight with your uh, meeting Adam Batman is worth meeting and I have a way that you weed out the consumers from the possible buyers if you do the self-help course which is so easy to get started I mean you can click on that right away and you'll have it in your inbox with all the videos all the templates all the strategy and it's at a very uh, affordable price that you can have and at any time you're ready you can have a full coaching intensive with me kind of like what we're doing here but about how you implement more if you're having trouble with one of the steps or what have you and any questions that arise from it and at any time during your lifetime of having the program you can do that with me so I highly recommend that it's a way to kind of dip your toe in and get started unless it's something uh, that you know you want to be working with me weekly and you know you're ready to to dive in and do the 12 week program with me individually and get that going that's also available to those that want it so either way I would recommend that you do the one love program or self-help course to change this trajectory because we what we focus on we get more of and if you put your focus here and doing things that are known to work online to help women get the relationships they desire and deserve leading toward engagement and marriage it it, 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 it takes off and there's no more kind of time wasting or floundering around you know and you can feel confident going into it that you have the, the support and the knowledge um, I think the program sounds good I think it would most likely give me the tools to weed out um, the two different types of men or weed out one type of guy so that it could to my goal yes and it, it most importantly it, it is it does weed them out and the weeding out is kind of secondary to really giving you the feeling of competence and knowledge that you're doing it in a way that produces results and that's what I love about it because it does produce results and you know you're on that right path it's like having you know the coach in your pocket so to speak and that's so so helpful uh, I'm I'm glad you you see the um, the efficacy of it even not knowing what it is it's that um, ability to say I'm going to do something different to get 
different results. So I'm really glad that you did this today. How are you feeling after a conversation? I feel like I made the right decision um, as far as like leaving when I did. And I also have like the exact reasons why things weren't working. Great. Yes. I love that. Because when you fully kind of let go of that and know, right? In, in other words, you knew the reasons. This just solidified how what you've been doing by not answering, no contact, you really know that that's the right path. Yep. And the hindsight of, okay, if I cut things off sooner when I know, I will not be wasting my valuable time. Does that resonate? Yes. Yes. Cool. Well, I thank you so much for doing this today because I think this was a really valuable conversation, not only for you, but for many women who are in this, this process because online really is where, like I said, men are going more and more and we need to be there if we're single in order to maximize the possibilities of meeting a Mr. Wright. So if you have any questions about the program, you can get the information at coachpaulagrooms.com slash programs and again click on one love, whether it be the 12 weeks or the self-help course, it really is a game changer and can be your constant guide. And then when you are into it, really kind of getting some confidence around it, but getting stuck, then you can do the one love, one time intensive experience with me and you will get the experience of the full coaching program. And if you feel that is something you need for further support, you can do that. But that is part of the self-help course. Give you that experience and then of course you can always do the 12 weeks if it is needed or appropriate and or discuss with me if in 12 weeks you have met someone that you want to be going the distance with and getting him to full commitment because then you might go right to the GPS program, the groom positioning system and that can easily happen if you utilize the approach and steps in the One Love course or program. And that's what I want for every woman here because every woman really deserves to have a man in her life that will go the distance. I trust this has been helpful today for anyone who is in the online space and wanting their next relationship.
to go the distance. And for that to happen, we must remember from the very beginning to make him wonder. Thank you for listening to Make Him Wonder. If you've benefited from today's conversation, please subscribe and share. Connect with Coach Paula at makehimwonder.com. There you can take several relationship evaluations, discover her books and other resources, and find out if one of her personalized coaching programs might be right for you.